morning. What a just a wonderful celebration of the resurrected Christ. Amen. Yeah, that's good. Just wanted to make a personal comment on behalf of Laura and I. Uh, this last uh, two months has been one of major uh, transitions for us and uh, celebrations. One more daughter graduated and going to college and another daughter married. And so really thankful for all the cards, uh, expressions of thanks and everything. And so thank you guys as a, as a church family for just being so supportive. We thank you for that. So yeah, if you need some advice on uh, marrying off your daughters, ask Pastor Justin. <laughs> Let me give you his phone number. You can text him. We're, I'm just kidding. Uh, we are going to be in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. And I hope that you were here yesterday, uh, last Sunday. Uh, we had um, Tim, who oversees our student ministries, teach, and he was preaching on the heart. And so he did a great job. I was able to hear him uh, first service. And all three of these sermons are intended to flow together so that we might be able to really just hear and receive from the Word of God and then apply. Be praying for Pastor Matt. He's uh, teaching at a local congregation this morning, and it'll be really cool that he will then teach the rest of chapter 8 out of Luke next week as we take a look at the soils that are described there as conditions of the heart. And so let's read together here in Luke chapter 8. All hearts, remember, are within the grasp of the gospel. All hearts are within the grasp of the gospel. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, just three verses. It says here, Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was doing. And who was with him? The twelve were with him, the disciples, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sickness. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. This morning, it's really important that we look at a portion of Scripture that are just three verses. But when you take a look at a lot of our commentaries, study Bibles, and even preaching and in sermons, it's very easy to just kind of go through these three verses or just skip them. But I really do believe that Luke, the author of Luke, but also as he was led by the Holy Spirit, there was a real specific reason why he included these three women. And this morning, I'd like to share some observations that we might consider that all hearts are within the grasp of the gospel, but that also... Where is our heart? Where is your heart this morning? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you. We thank you that we could go to your word. I pray that you would just uh, watch over our time of study, give us insight, give us application, conviction, and encouragement, um, and that we would really be honest about our heart condition. If we've come in here now believing and proclaiming Jesus as our personal Savior or we are still working through the issue of Jesus and whether we think we have the worst heart or perhaps our heart is good enough and fine that we might see that we are all in need of a Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Jeremiah 17 makes some comments about the heart. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Some translations say wicked. Who can understand it? 
Then a little bit later, he writes, Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. For he understands that his heart is included in that. And oftentimes, it's hard for us to consider that our heart is as wicked. A little bit later in Jeremiah chapter 31, this verse is written here, verse uh, 33 and following. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The heart is pointed out in passage after passage in the Old Testament and in the New. I remember on one occasion we had a special guest speaker here, Alex, from Uganda, and he shared his testimony, and as part of his testimony was coming to an understanding that he had a dark heart. He had a heart of stone, and he actually referenced this portion of Scripture out of Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19, and I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. We even were singing a praise hymn this morning, a song that talked about the transformation of our heart. All humanity, we all start with a heart condition that is dead. Kind of looks like this. We could uh, consider our heart and how it would look, and it would look like a stony heart. And um, sometimes we are unaware of that. And so I was reading some things in recent media and periodicals. Um, all conditions, all of us start with a dead heart, but we are so often unaware. Do you know, as they're doing research, that they were taking a look at Americans and their understanding and awareness of heart health, that first of all, you and I probably have heard information in the periodicals, newspapers, and news reports that, that understands that you and I and a huge portion of the United States will eventually die from some type of heart condition or cardiac condition. But as they were doing research, they said many Americans are unaware of the important heart health numbers. Even though most Americans are worried about dying from a heart attack or stroke, few people knew their numbers when it came to basic things like cardiovascular health, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. As an example, they did research with 1,000 adults in 2016, and they found out that 77% did not understand their blood pressure, did not understand how important cholesterol and weight was to their heart health, and when it comes to the potential or risk of dying of a heart attack, it is called the danger of the silent killer. They did another research, and they found that 80% of individuals, check this out, 80% of individuals that had a stroke or heart attack, when they went on to examine their heart after the stroke or heart attack, had had smaller what they did not recognize as heart attacks in the past, and they knew that because when they did examination of their heart, they could see scar tissue on their heart that was not from the current heart attack or stroke. But yet they had the symptoms that was that they had a faulty heart. It's never more important when you go on a roller co coaster ride. Did you know that modern roller coasters carry risky thrills for the heart? 
Did you know that they are saying that the modern roller coaster is so fast and there's so much pressure that they did research as well and they put people on roller coasters who had no pre-existing heart condition and when they came off the train, they could actually measure percentages of people that were having shaky hearts and symptoms of a heart problem that then went back to normal, but they had no understanding that they had a heart issue. Reminds me of the time that Laura and I went to Disney World and Epcot Center. Um, wonderful roller coasters there. By the way, after 24 years of parenting now, let me tell you, you know the best way to go to Disneyland? Who knows the best way to go to Disneyland? Raise your hand. Yes? Yes, without your kids. So Laura and I and uh, Pastor Justin and at the time Roro, we go to a Bible conference and we are like an hour and 45 minutes from Orlando and we're like, well, if we book two extra days or three, we could go to, you know, Epcot Center. And so Laura and I bought the tickets and on the first day, she and I hit every site that we wanted to see. And then on the second day, there's this ride in the Epcot Center. Some of you maybe have been on it. It's like being launched into space, and there's actually this huge space capsule, and you get on the ride, and one of us, Pastor Roro, Pastor Ron, who really wanted to go on this ride because he had heard about it, and so that morning, we're getting ready to go to Epcot, and he caught the flu. Oh, I don't feel well. Um, the flu. So he stayed after. He stayed alone at the, at the hotel room. And so then Laura and I and Justin decided to go to Epcot just on our own. And so there we are. And we get on this ride. And as you're getting on this ride, there are these huge signs with red. Some of you have been there. Don't get on if you've got a pre-existing heart condition. You could die on this ride. And they keep on warning you and warning you. And also, if you suffer from claustrophobia, don't get in this ride. And they're warning you, and we get on the ride. We get on, and all of a sudden, you get in the seat, and they want to simulate as if you're in a space capsule, and the machine moves closer and closer, and you are stuck in there like this close. And there's all of these buttons. Well, I like to push buttons. I mean, if there's a button and it says don't push it, I'm going to push it. And so there we are, and I'm like, click, 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 click. And then Justin might have been pushing some buttons. And so there we are, and they keep on making these announcements, and all of a sudden the ride is going to start, and it gets stuck. There we were for 30 minutes, stuck in a confining place, about to be launched into space. And there we were, and think Pastor Ron would have been there, and he would have been like this close. He was such a big guy. And they launched us into space after 30 minutes. We're staying on, and now we have no idea why they stopped the ride and whether or not it's safe or not. We waited in line. We're going on the ride. So there they launched us, and, and we got off, and we went, whoa, did you feel that, the forces? And did you, oh, exhilarating. We get back to Salem. Pastor Ron goes in for a check on his flu. Cardiac symptoms. He could have died on that ride. Do you realize how unaware we are of even our physical heart? Any of you really curious, you could read these articles. They're just fascinating to me. And so we take a look at the heart condition. And we see three examples in this portion of Scripture, three simple verses, and really two verses that the ladies are highlighted. And Luke and Scripture does a little bit of a case study that we might examine these hearts. Because we all begin with a dead heart. Let's take a look. Verse 2 and following. 
the twelve were there with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sickness. This is not an uncommon characteristic or description in that the 12 disciples are going from city to city, village to village with Jesus. Jesus is proclaiming that the kingdom has come, that he is here, he's their Messiah. People are believing, people are rejecting. He is healing, he's casting out demons, he's dealing with physical illnesses, and he has the 12. And it says or describes other disciples, and it makes comments about groups that include women as well, and what's really interesting is when we come to this grouping of women, some of us might you know, realize that Mary Magdalene is mentioned in other parts of the Scriptures. Actually, she's mentioned by name 12 times in, in the four Gospels and 14 times included she's referred to. Mary Magdalene is actually mentioned more than some of the apostles. And then we come in, and as we are absorbed in the scenario here, we see that the first example is the dark heart. The dark heart. Also, some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sickness, Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. That's the most descriptive of the three. It's highlighted that seven demons were cast out of her and that she had a dark heart and she was living in bondage. I want to really make clear that I don't believe that she is the lady that is described in Luke chapter 7. When we are looking at commentaries about Mary Magdalene, church history and other sources build up a lot of information that isn't actually described in Scripture. But what we do actually know about her from Scripture is that Magdalene was not her last name. Mary being a common Jewish name, there would have been a need to differentiate between different Marys. And so she took on that name, and she was most likely from that village, a small fishing village along the Sea of Galilee on the western shore. And she was one that would have been recognized now as the lady that had had demons in her that were cast out, and she was part of that group that had been faithful followers of Jesus now. Mary Magdalene. What's also really cool about Mary Magdalene is that she is recorded in Scripture, if we were to read further, to be the first person to eyewitness and to have conversation with Jesus after his resurrection. Amazing. A lady that had been given a new heart because she had a dark heart a living heart. She was released from her bondage and God saw fit that then she would be the first one to see the risen Savior and talk with Him. One that had been forgiven so much. There's a lot of conjecture about her. A lot of people are saying, well, how did she get the demons inside of her? I was reading one um, description of this section of Scripture, and John MacArthur is talking about how it's not necessary that she necessarily be an immoral woman. Woman, It doesn't mean that she had to have been a prostitute or, or dabbling in sorcery or demonic activity, but certainly that could be one of the ways that she came to be in the condition that she was in. Oftentimes, Addition, in addition to the possession, these individuals were dealing with medical issues like epilepsy, seizures. But he found a gal, and she had come to the Savior. 
And when she came to him, she had a dead heart that was in bondage to demons. And when we see Jesus interacting with demons, he has full authority and sovereignty over them. And he called them out. And she was liberated. And she was set free, yet her heart was dark. Amazing. He goes on to describe, Luke does then, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Joanna, her name, Jehovah, has favor, or the Lord is gracious. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. And what we see with Joanna is this gal that, whose name means grace, or the Yahweh that has grace, was the lady that lived in the high society and was a lady of high society heart. We know quite a bit about Herod. Herod was really concerned about the possibility that the Messiah, specifically Jesus, would overthrow his rule. He was very concerned about the fact that he would lose his power, potentially. He was very controlling. We know him to be a murderer to the point where he even killed family members to preserve his power. He is known to have killed John the Baptist. And in his household, he has many servants. And one of them is Chusa. And if Herod has a lot of gold and wealth and power, he has to have an accountant. And so Chusa would have been an educated man. He would have known the law. He would have known how to account. And not only would he be able to save his money and make sure it was safe, saving money isn't enough. He would need to know how to duplicate and multiply Herod's money. And since we knew that Herod would be someone that would take someone's life, he would have to walk the fence of making sure he pleased his ruler and worry about his life. And so Joanna is his wife. She would be within those circles. She would be at those events. She would hear, perhaps in court, she would come and hear Herod's concerns his verbalization of his concerns about the Messiah, and we don't know when it happened, but at some point, she too was exposed to Jesus, heard the gospel, understood her heart condition, and at some point had placed her faith in Jesus Christ, but she's the high society heart. Mary Magdalene would have been one that if she was exhibiting these demons and these ailments... No one would want to have anything to do with her. She would have potentially looked very bizarre. They would have maybe just walked past her and say, hey, kids, don't go by that lady. Joanna would have been in that society where she would hear all kinds of ideas and potentially if she verbalized her faith in Jesus, even her life could be in jeopardy. And so the heart of high society was also captive to the culture and society the way we are as well. Sometimes we need to really consider if we've placed our faith in Jesus, what is the condition of our heart? Is it still at times prone to darkness? Is it still at, prone to bondage or to be held captive to the culture and society? Simple verses, but powerful because they all have an encounter with the living God, but they have dead hearts. Then as we continue to read, it says, Herod's steward and, and 
Susanna. That's it. No description. We can assume a little bit. We could say, well, it's describing these ladies as having had demons and illnesses. Since it's not specified, we don't know which one it was, but it was one of those or both of those. We don't know her background. We don't know her education. We don't know her society that she comes from. Just Susanna. And she might be considered the easily ignored heart. You know, sometimes when we are preparing our testimonies, oftentimes when we are going on missions trips, we have people practice their testimonies with each other. And we, we, we ask them to consider what was, what was your life before Jesus like? What, what, what point did you place your faith in Jesus? And now what has Jesus done in your life now? And oftentimes people will say, well, I don't really have like a really big dramatic, you know, testimony. I kind of feel like I really don't have a testimony. And, and it might just be that you feel like the easily ignored heart. It's just kind of like Susanna. There's nothing really that uh, significant about me. But when we consider that all of them have dead hearts and all of them are in bondage and all of them need living hearts, that it would be our pride that we would go, oh, my, you know, I just, I'm, I'm probably not good enough for salvation. Or my heart is so great, I don't realize that I'm walking around with a stony heart that I don't need Jesus. But when we take a look at these three ladies, we potentially can see anybody on the spectrum of heart condition. And so that's it. Susanna, she's in need of a savior, though, because she's included in the group with these ladies as ones that are following Jesus. Have you considered your heart? Have you considered the individuals that might be around us that are easily ignored. You know, things are going pretty well, nothing severely bad or nothing terribly unique about them, and we can pass them and we can interact with them, and they're doing well. doesn't seem like they need Jesus. Oh, if a lady had demons inside of her and was convulsing on the street corner, then we'd know that there was something unique going on. And if someone stepped in from People magazine of the highest of society, we'd know that now all of a sudden we would turn our head and we'd go, oh, someone just came into the room. But if we're really honest with ourselves, when we look at young teenage or young adult famous individuals, whether they be athletes or movie stars or people of society, you know what we're waiting for. We're waiting to see when the fame takes effect how hard the fall will be because what's understood is that people that are trafficking in that society become so consumed with it that they're in bondage, and we understand that. And sometimes maybe you just feel like a Susanna Hart, but we have a need. We have a need for a living heart. This is a vibrant heart. This is a heart that is alive has come from a place of stone and is vibrant and is pumping blood and is putting oxygen in the blood and distributing it to the body. And when we now understand that as human beings we have a physical heart and it's a healthy heart, we know it as well. Um, there are heart conditions in my family. My, my father, who is with the Lord now, had his first heart attack at a very young age. And so right about the time I turned 30, I start to get paranoid. 
I had an accountability partner, and so he and Laura, for about six months to a year, were quietly and gently encouraging me to have my heart examined, just in case. And so I started to have some anxiety about that right about the time I turned 30. And so I went in, and they hooked me up. And my doctor said, yeah, you've got a history, so let's do it. So they, they did all of these exams. They did blessed blood exams. They put me on a treadmill. They put all these things on me to see if there was something wrong with my heart so it wouldn't catch me by surprise. We understand that our time and our days are numbered by the Lord, but you know, Spiritually, we should all desire a living heart. And these ladies had been so transformed by Jesus that they had living hearts. How do we know? Well, there are characteristics of living hearts just like there are characteristics of healthy hearts. And so when I was on that treadmill doing the stress test, they were looking to see, was there any pain? Were there any wiggles? Was I out of breath? How much could I tolerate? And then they said, you've got a healthy heart. Great. But what about our spiritual heart? We then go on to read that it says, And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. And as we look at these three simple verses... And as we then flow into next week's sermon, we see that there are characteristics of a heart that is alive just like my heart or your heart is healthy and we should see life. So should we see life in the heart that has been transformed. And what's the first thing that we see of these three ladies? It describes them as everywhere Jesus went, there are the 12 disciples and these women. They're at his crucifixion when everyone scattered there were the women when his body was taken and they took his body to be embalmed and to be wrapped in cloths and they would do it really quick so they could keep the sabbath they they put it in a borrowed tomb and and they were observing and then the next morning were hoping that then they would be able to then go in and put more spices on him and to do a proper burial after the sabbath and they and it's the women who are there They're so faithful that it is Mary that won't go into the tomb but sees the inside and and says, where is my Lord? Where have they taken him? And she runs and she says, he's not there. His body is missing. The disciples go in to, to examine and they see the burial cloths there stacked up and laid there, folded up nice and neat. And she from outside peers in and hears the angels say, And she turns around, and there's Jesus, and she doesn't realize it. And he speaks to her, and she goes, my Lord. The lady that was a lady with a dark heart in bondage has the wonderful privilege of seeing seeing the Savior and hearing the Savior before anyone else. And then she proclaims the Savior because these ladies are ladies that have a living heart. And in their living heart is a desire to worship. Do you have a desire to worship? This morning, we're worshiping together. 
But worship really is a daily event because when you see these individuals, it's not just on one day that they're worshiping. They're following Jesus, and by following Jesus and then living the transformed life, it's an act of worship daily as we commit ourselves to Him and live for Him that then the fruit of our life comes out and people could recognize that there's been a change. Don't you know that they would have said, that lady, she comes into another town. She is the one that had the seven demons. That lady, that's the one that is from Herod's household. And then Susanna, what's so special about her? She follows Jesus and we know it and she's just like me. I can identify with her. I'm not really, really bad or really, really good or really, really important, but... They have living hearts and they are following Jesus and they're worshiping Jesus. Do you have a tendency to desire the worship of the living God on a daily basis? Another characteristic of this heart that is alive is one that seeks fellowship. Notice that in each one of their circumstances, they would have either been ostracized by society, so now they come to faith in Christ and they have fellowship with other believers when they were excluded in the past from fellowship. Now they have a place. And if they had had fellowship in society, oftentimes by coming into the faith, they would now be known as a follower of Christ and Susanna or Joanna, would now even be potentially a liability to be associated with because she comes from a household of importance. And so now she could be feeling and experiencing isolation, and she desires fellowship. So she follows Jesus, and followers of Jesus share fellowship together. They're sharing fellowship together, and sharing fellowship together is more than just on a Sunday, folks. It's that we're part of the body and that we need each other and that we celebrate. And then the heart that is alive. I love this wonderful description here. And many others who are contributing to their support out of their private means, which would have included the ladies. So they, for some reason, had significant means. That is uh, easily explainable for Joanna. Mary, how did she have means? We don't know. Susanna, but there they were. It's describing them as part of the group that is providing financially for Jesus, providing financially for the disciples, and there's a joy in the support of generosity. That's something that we are so much to be thankful for in this congregation, the support, but it's not just the finances. It's the support and generosity and prayer, acts of servanthood, and that we would be generous with the community around us. Organizations, individuals, whether or not they believe in Jesus or not, that we would be generous with them with our time, we say, our talents, and our tithe. But they were generous. What's the condition of your heart? You know, life is a lot like a roller coaster ride. You know, even times of celebration, first child, excitement. That child goes to the hospital, anxiety. Graduations, job promotions, physical illness, that's a downer. Stock market crashes, unemployment, being laid off. There's the roller coaster. 
Relationships can be a roller coaster, up and down, family members, friends, people that are believers that might even disappoint you, pastors that might disappoint you. Life is very much like a roller coaster. And it will exhibit, it will put on display the condition of your heart and my heart. So how's my heart? Divorce, remarriage, falling into sin and temptation, how is my heart? Will it be responsive to correction? Will it be responsive to the Word of God? Will it be responsive to exhortation and encouragement? Are you prepared for the roller coaster of life because you've experienced it already or it's coming? One of the things that I see that is really just vivid to me in these three verses is that this, these verses apply to my life really easily. It's a template for examining my own life, my own heart, and to see that at different times I've been all of these hearts, especially the dead heart. But through Jesus, I've exchanged that for a living heart. Do you have a living heart? Is it something that people can see? Can they see the characteristics of a healthy and living heart? Are you in fellowship? Are you experiencing joy? Are you in worship? And we are so thankful that so many of you express that so clearly in our congregation that then it would manifest itself, it would exhibit itself anywhere that we go with whoever we are communicating with or interacting with. What is the condition of your heart? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you and we thank you for these three simple verses. We thank you for the dynamic example of transformation in each one of these individuals that was described in these three verses. We thank you for the detail that allows us to have a little bit of an understanding of where they came from, and what salvation and faith in Jesus can really look like. It gives us hope for each one of us. And also, we could take this message to anyone and present to them that they too can be ones that can have a living heart through Jesus Christ. Thank you that in these scriptures we could easily go this week and just examine ourselves and ask ourselves and perhaps discuss where we're at on the roller coaster of life. Are we prepared for the pressures that come or will we get caught off guard? I pray that no one is here that will be got caught off guard and, and are put in a situation where they have not recognized Jesus and still have that stony heart and now are confronted with a tragedy or a pressure that catches them off guard but I also pray for those of us that have living hearts that we would look at what is the evidence of my living heart and we thank you above all that Jesus was willing to give us this heart through faith and through his death burial and resurrection in Jesus name amen